some point in life, we all have to ask ourselves, what are we for? How will we make a difference in our time and place? Because we have been called. Called to rise up and attempt great things for the kingdom. A kingdom that is bigger than a city. It's bigger than a state or even a country. It's a kingdom that covers the globe. And unlike realms of the past, whose rulers have faded with history, our king is alive. And he has called us to spread the good news of hope and love, to build up a community that impacts the world for good, to make our mark for his kingdom. Uh, well, good morning, good morning, church, and welcome back to our series. We're in this series called For the Kingdom, in this 50 days of prayer. And I've loved this series. I've just loved hearing what God's doing in people's lives as we pray together for 50 days and just seeing lives being impacted and people taking next steps in their own spiritual journey. And we've had baptism almost every week in this series as people are just following Christ and saying, hey, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life and I want to follow him all of my days. And just seeing your generosity and seeing investment and seeing people just growing in their faith. And I've loved this. I've loved this. So let me ask you a question this morning. If God were to come to you and say, hey, you can ask me for one thing, what would it be? If God were to come to you and say, hey, you can ask me for one thing, what would it be? What would it be? You know, for a lot of people, I think their answer would be money, right? You know, like, God, just give me money, right? If I had this amount of money, then I could solve all my problems, right? And, you know, man, that's going to fix everything. But, but boy, we see how that happens, right? And other people would come and say, I want long life. You know, I just give me my long life, and, and I want, you know, the fountain of youth. Give me that, you know, and I'll go and have all the surgeries or whatever it takes, or, you know, I'll do all this stuff. But, but that's what I want. You know, other people would come and say, I want success. I want honor. I want recognition. And, and other people would come and say, you know, hey, I want this for, for my kids or for others. But, but what would it be for you? Well, this morning we're going to see a guy who literally God came to him and said, hey, you can ask me for one thing. And we're going to see what he asked for. And you're going to be surprised, but you're going to go, oh, yeah, this makes sense. And this is what God wants to do in all of our lives. You're going to see that unfold today. Now, in our series, we've been looking at this. We said in week one, what are you for? And we said as disciples of Christ, we want to be for the kingdom. We all have different things that we're for. We're for different football teams, right? We're for different bands. We're for different vacation spots. We're for different, you know, kids' schools. But, but for followers of Jesus, we want to be for the kingdom of God. We want to do something for the glory of God that will outlive us, that people look back and say, hey, that's what my dad or my granddad or that was what my mom, that's what they were for. And I love that. And then the second week, we said that, hey, we got to move out of the stands and get into the game. We got to move away from just being a spectator to being a participant. And the Bible says, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, that you are in it, that you are passionately following Jesus. And then the third week, we talked about it, it takes a team. It takes a team. You know, spiritual growth doesn't happen alone, it happens in community. And we are praying for one another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And God has placed us in the church. This is the vehicle by which God uses to accomplish his work in the world. And last week we talked about our calling to empower those who come behind us. And whether it's our children or our grandchildren or our nieces or our nephews or, or people who are behind us in school that say, hey, that's not just about us. 
What can we do? What can we pass on? And then this morning, we're talking about this commitment, commitment to God first. Now, in our series, we've been walking with the children of God back in the Old Testament. And they had this king named David who was passionate about God. I mean, he just loved God. And David knew, right? David knew, hey, God brought my people out of slavery. He brought them through a desert. He sustained them. And God's the one who brought us into Jerusalem. God is the one who brought us into the promised land and gave us houses we didn't build and vineyards we didn't plant. He gave us all this. And David, in his old age, was walking around on his palace, and he's got wealth, he's got prosperity, he's got all these things, and yet he's walking around his palace, and he sees the ark of God that he had brought there to Jerusalem, and it's in a tent. And David's like, why am I living in a palace? And all my people have these nice houses and chariots and all these things, and and God's dwelling in a tent. (laughs) Well, what's wrong with this picture? And David says, let's do something together. People of God, let's do something together. Let's build a temple in in the middle of Jerusalem, in in the middle of our community, to say to everybody, hey, this is what we're for. And then we'll all long outlive us. And God says, David, I love it, love it, love it, love it. Love your heart, love your passion. Uh, But David, you're a man of war. You've shed too much blood. It's going to be your son Solomon who will build it. Your son Solomon's going to be a man of peace. He's going to be the one to build it. And so we left off last week at 1 Chronicles 29 with David just this beautiful prayer to God and David giving the plans over to Solomon and, and saying, hey, here's the land to build it. Here's the plans. Here's my personal resources. I'm committed to this. I want you to know this is important to me. And then last week, David dies. And now Solomon steps into the throne. And you can imagine Solomon's probably scared to death. I mean, he's leading a million plus people, right? And his dad was such a great man, and now here's Solomon. And so let's see what happens today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. 2 Chronicles chapter, well, not we were in 29 last week. We're going to be in chapter 1 this week. 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, we'll put the scripture on the screen, or we got some free Bibles for you back there. But grab it. So 2 Chronicles, it's in that... Old Testament, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, so that whole section right there, and we'll be in 2nd Chronicles chapter 1 today. Now, if you have your journey guide with you this morning, page 32, if you want to take notes and kind of follow along with us today and write some things down, just kind of dial in with us there. So pick up here, 2nd Chronicles chapter 1. It says, Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. Then Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, to the judges and to all the leaders in Israel, the heads of families. And Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high place at Gibeon, for God's tent of meeting was there, which Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the wilderness. So think about this, okay? When they were in the wilderness, when they were in the desert, God said, hey, make this tabernacle, right? There's this tent of meeting and put it in the center of your community. And everybody camp around it and just know that I'm with you. That's my presence there. And then when they came into Jerusalem, the, the tent of meeting was up at Gibeon. But, but David, Solomon's dad, had brought the Ark of the Covenant, which dwelt in the Holy of Holies, brought it down to Jerusalem and made a tent for it so it would be in the city. And Solomon's going, hey, wait, let's go up to Gibeon where the altar is. Verse 4, now David had brought up the Ark of God from kareth Jerim to the place where he had prepared for it because he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar that Bezael, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made was in Gibeon, 
in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and the assembly inquired of him there. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. (laughs) Now notice this. Solomon becomes the king. And immediately, he doesn't just say, okay, okay, I got to get to work. You know, this is a big job. I got a lot of things to do. There's a lot of people I'm responsible for. What he says is this, guys, let's go. Let's go worship. Let's go up to Gibeon, the whole nation. And I want you to see this, commitment to God first. Commitment to God first. You know, sometimes we pray about a job, and, and then we get the job, and we're like, I can't believe it. Okay, thanks, God. Now I'm going to go to work, right? Now I'm going to go do this and this and this and this. And we never really stop to go, you know, God, I'm going to dedicate this job to you. God, you have me here for a reason and for a purpose. God, you've blessed me here. You give me a spirit of influence here, Father. God, I pray that you would use me here. Or, or sometimes we pray, you know, God, give me, give me children, give me a family. And then we're just like off to trying to figure it out and trying to raise kids. And, and, and all of a sudden, Solomon's like, I can't do this. God, I need you. And so I'm going to take the whole nation, we're going to go up and we're going to worship. Commitment to God first, commitment to God first. Notice this, you got to move from your family's faith to your own faith. And Solomon had a great dad. And praise God, if you grew up with a great dad, great mom, or strong believers who had you in church, I mean, be thankful. I'm thankful I had great parents. Praise God. But at some point, it had to become not my parents' faith anymore, but my faith. At some point, it had to become what I believe and not just what my parents believed or what, you know, the people around me believed or what my great-grandparents believed and what was important to them. At some point, it had to be my faith. And Solomon right here is saying, hey, you know, great job, Dad, but, but now I'm going. It's my turn. It's my time. And I'm stepping into it. I'm stepping into it. Yeah, I remember when we brought our first child home from the hospital and I was so nervous I got to tell you, we get home, and I didn't have one of those little buttons to push that the nurse would come in, and when the baby was crying, you know, like, I'm like, okay, now I'm in charge. I mean, like, what in the world? I mean, am I responsible enough for this? I mean, like, you know, I had that moment of, really? And just praying, okay, God, okay. You know, I know I'm not perfect, but God, I pray, Father, I pray, God, that you would use me in my family. I pray that you would use me here. And it starts with commitment to God. It starts with your own faith. And then you have to move from religion to relationship. Uh, Solomon, he was the king. He could have outsourced it. He says, hey, you guys go on up there. You know, you guys go worship. I've got a country to run. I'm going to do this. But if you notice in verse 6, did you see this? It said, Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Solomon goes up. He could have said, hey, the priest, you go ahead and do that. But Solomon said, no, 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 it's me. And it's going to move from religion to I'm in it. And he goes up to that altar, man, he just kneels down. He just starts offering. Here you go, God. Here you go, God. I'm trusting you with my life. Trusting you with this calling. And I'm committing to you. Committing to you. I love C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis says this. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you get neither. I think so many times in our life, man, we're aiming at earth, Right? I'm pursuing this, I want money, success, I want power, I want more and more and more. And, and we wonder why it ends up empty. You aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. All right, aim at earth and you get neither. So check out what happens here. It says, then that night, verse 7, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Here it is. 
I mean, the God of the universe coming to Solomon and saying, okay, whatever it is, what do you want? Solomon answered God, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon, instead of asking for money or success or, you know, all these other things, he says, God, I want wisdom. God, I pray for wisdom. I've got a lead here, God. Give me wisdom. And, and God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, and you've not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, not for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people, over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you, and I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who is before you ever had and none after you will ever have. Unbelievable. God's like, Solomon, that's it. You pray for wisdom to lead my people, and I'm going to give you that. Plus, I'm going to throw in all these other things. You know, Solomon's called the wisest and wealthiest man that ever lived. Wisest and wealthiest man that ever lived. Now, there's a difference between wisdom and just being smart, right? You know, have you ever known people who are like book smart, but man, they couldn't figure out anything, right? It's like, man, they're really smart, but man, they can't, you know, they don't have any directional sense or anything else. I mean, what in the world? And, but you know what? There's a difference between that, right? Wisdom combines knowledge and discernment. Wisdom is that good judgment. Wisdom is a part of leadership. Somebody said, you know, a smart person, a smart person will ask, you know, smart and give you smart answers. But a wise person, they will ask, but they will also, they will also ask you wise questions. They're the person who's looking out for you. They're the person who's saying, okay, how can I help you? How can I help those around me? It's not just about me getting more and more. It's about me leading and me loving. Here's the thing, right? We all need wisdom. Man, I pray for wisdom. I gotta tell you, I pray for wisdom so that I can lead and love my family. I understand the decisions I make don't just impact me anymore. They impact my marriage. They impact my children. They impact my future grandchildren one day, right? I mean, it's a big deal. I pray for wisdom. Every day I get up and I pray for these things. I pray, God, I pray for wisdom and leadership and creativity and vision and passion and honesty and humility and generosity. And I, I pray to be a godly husband and father and pastor. I pray to be a man after God's own heart. I pray to be a man of God. I just pray those things every day because I know I need that. I need that. And here's the awesome part. Here's the awesome part. God comes along and says, hey, we all need wisdom. And the amazing part is God says, ask. Ask. How often do we ever ask for wisdom? How often do we say, God, I want to be wise? You know, we'll ask for a lot of other things, right? We'll ask for a lot of other things to happen. But God comes along and says to us, ask. James chapter 1 Verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all 
that they do. Solomon comes along and says, hey, I've got to ask. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. So in these 50 days, in these 50 days, what are you praying for? What are you asking God for? You know, we're 30 days into our 50 days. We have 20 days left as we lead up to November 4th. But, but maybe this is something you start to pray. God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. You've put me in a family. You've put me at a workplace. God, you've put me in church. You've put me in a community. And God, I only have a certain amount of time in this place to lead and to love. And I pray that I would do it well. I pray that I would do it well, God. And not just bring glory to myself, God, but bring glory to you and to impact the people around me to love and to lead well. And that's what Solomon asked for. And that's what God did. It says in verse 13, Then Solomon went to Jerusalem from the high place at Gibeon, from before the tent of meeting, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones, and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. And then chapter 2, verse 1, Solomon gave orders to build a temple for the name of the Lord. Notice this, man. Solomon, he gets to work, and he invests in the things of God. He's like, guys, let's go. Solomon could have gotten comfortable. He was the king. He had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of things. Now he's prayed for wisdom, and God said, I'll give you wisdom. He could have gone and set up on a mountain and just like, hmm, everybody come visit me, right? I'm the wise one. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to kind of hang out here. You guys come to me. But it says, no, he went and got to work. Remember what his dad, David, prayed for him? In 1 Chronicles 28, he brought him up in front of everybody. and He says, hey, Solomon, you're going to be the one to do this. You're going to be the one to lead. Now you be strong and courageous and do the work. Get after it. Invest in the things of God. Make an impact and make a difference. And Solomon comes back from you know, this time with the Lord and worshiping. And he comes back and says, all right, how can I make things better for the people of God? What can I do to further God's kingdom? Hey, let's build that temple. You know, it was a dream, and we're going to do it, and we're going to establish it. We're going to show everybody this is what we are for. See, I think the biggest danger for all of us, right, in our spiritual lives is that we grow comfortable. <laughs> you know, after a while, we just got to sit back, and we go, okay, I got it. You know, things are good, and I'm in a fine place, and it's okay. But God's always calling us to take a next step. God's always calling us to invest. God's always calling us to, to love and to give and to serve and to say, how can I how can I further God's kingdom in my day and in my generation? And boy, when we begin to step out, that's where faith comes alive. We go boldly in what God has called us to do, but we do it for the glory of God. I want you to hear this morning from Nick Allen, and Nick and Susan have been a part of our church staff. Nick has been on our staff for about 10 years, and we've been able to serve God together. It's been awesome. And Nick has had about every position in our church, right? He's been children's pastor, student pastor, family pastor, discipleship pastor. And when we started talking about a new campus in Nashville, at our Belmont Heights campus, and Nick was like praying and going, okay, God, is this what you're calling me to? To be the pastor of Rolling Hills, Belmont Heights, and our Nashville campus, be a campus pastor here. And I want you just to hear a little bit of his story and what God has been calling Nick and Susan to. Watch this. We had been at Rolling Hills for almost 11 years. 
um, coming in and experiencing different roles, doing student ministry and kids ministry, family ministry, adult discipleship. And so um, Rolling Hills one year to the next really had not looked the same for us. Um, but we were both in a season where, you said it one time, we're really comfortable. We lived in Spring Hill for all 11 of those years. Um, a couple different houses, but same community. We just knew what each week was gonna look like. I knew just ministry-wise, I needed a little bit more of a stretch and a challenge. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about that. Um, even as our family, it was just, um, I don't wanna say easy, because life isn't easy, but um, I don't feel like we were being stretched like we maybe should be stretched as a family for me. And I feel like for us, couldn't shake, you know, um, God's doing something, we were feeling something. We don't necessarily know at this moment what it is, um, but there's something coming, something next. Um, for us um, individually as a family and we just want to be ready for it. I think discomfort with comfort means that the Holy Spirit is stirring. We as individuals we like comfort but there is something about the Holy Spirit of God moving in you and stretching you and challenging you and saying I'm not finished yet because I'm gonna move and I want you to be ready when I do. And when Belmont Heights came online as a campus for Rolling Hills um, it was a temporary thing for us but then God continued that stirring. When we started um, Belmont Heights, I mean, you don't know what to expect when you're going in, and um, I felt like we were starting to make connections and starting to invest in people, and I think when you start um, making connections, you start um, investing not just with Tom, but just in conversations and learning more about people, you start feeling more connected, and I know, I felt like, like we were just feeling some connection, okay, maybe, this should be more than what we've committed to. I don't know, Lord, is that what you're asking of us? Like, and then we started talking and saying, you know, we're, we're open to that. Um, but I we mean, didn't know if the yeah. opportunity would yeah. come. We didn't know if that would be what was best for, for Rolling, Rolling Hills, Hills, best for the new campus. And at the same time, because this was a merger situation and not just a, a new church plant from Rolling Hills, a new campus that we were endeavoring, um, we had, these people that were becoming part of our body, becoming part of our congregation, um, that we wanted them to feel confidence and clarity from the Lord that this was what was next. Um, they had prayed for the merger and really embraced and adopted Rolling Hills as a church, um, but we needed them also to pray for us specifically and adopt us as a new pastor. And so we asked them to do that, and it was kind of one confirmation after the next um, that God was just in this for a longer term than what we had initially signed on for. I think for me, uh, the biggest challenge and that I wrestled through was for our kids and the connection they had. Very connected, obviously, to the Franklin campus, um, Springfield community, our homeschool family, so even um, just their tutorials they're part of and different things down there. Um, of just what is that going to look like as far as um, staying connected. We talked a lot at the beginning about why to move and what that, there's a lot of I mean, regional people in Nashville live all over the place, work all over the place, make long commutes. Um, and Sunday morning is not a bad day to commute from Spring Hill to Nashville. That yeah. was, that was easy, yeah, honestly. Was. And so it wasn't proximity to the campus, but it was presence. I mean, everything that we do um, as Christ followers should be for the kingdom. So ultimately it's for God's glory. Not us. And for, um, for what he has, um, so. We're just a small piece in that, in that puzzle, in that journey.
you know, I love that. I love just seeing, you know, our, our pastor team and just watching people. And, and here's Nick and Susan selling their house in Spring Hill to move to the Nashville area so they can do ministry and can further that more. And I think for all of us, you know, what is that next step for us? What's God caused to? Is it serving? Is it a mission trip? Is it giving back? What are we doing? But we have to constantly ask this question, right? Are we building God's kingdom or just our own kingdom? Are we building our kingdom or just our own kingdom? And, and that was the thing that I think for Solomon, he had to say, you know, wait a minute. God's given me an assignment. God's put me on this throne for a reason and for a purpose. And God has you where you are for reason and purpose. God has you at your job where you are. God has you in your family. God has you wherever you are in life for a reason and for a purpose. And for you and I to say, God, use me. God, I'm yours. Give me wisdom to lead and to love the people you put around me. But God, use me for your glory. And that's what we say here at Rolling Hills. You know, as a church, we pray for wisdom. And this is what led us to this whole For the Kingdom initiative. I mean, really, we started praying for wisdom as a staff, as a board, as a finance team, as our land and facilities team. And we just said, okay, God, what do you want us to do next? Because we could get really comfortable. I mean, it's awesome what God's doing. But God's continuing to call us, saying, be strong and courageous and do the work. You know, our mission statement at Rolling Hills says this. It says, we are a people of God. Rolling Hills Community Church exists, right, as a people of God to bring glory to God by reaching people for Christ and nurturing them to faith. And I love that because it says, hey, as a people of God, we are the church, but we exist to bring glory to him. It's not just about us, but by reaching people for Christ when we, you know, it's not a country club, right? We're not all in and, hey, made it in, right? Nobody else did. We're constantly reaching out. It's called the Great Commission. Go and make disciples for us to share the love of Christ and nurturing them in the faith and helping people to reach their, their goal, their potential to be fully mature Christ followers through inspired worship, genuine community, and passionate ministry that transforms lives in our neighborhoods. And that's when we have regional campuses in Nolansville and in Nashville. We know people aren't going to drive, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. I mean, some people do, right? But, but people are going to go to a regional place that transforms lives in our neighborhoods and then throughout the world. And that's when we do mission trips. That's when we go to Moldova. And that's when we go to the Amazon. That's when we go to South Africa. That's when we go all over the world to share the love of Christ. We have eight core values that join us together, right? Eight core values. And these eight core values, love, right? We are called to love God with all of our heart or soul or mind or strength, and to love our neighbors ourselves. You know, people can go to different organizations and find friendships, but here when they come, we want them to experience love. That's our number one core value, reach, right? We want to reach out. We want to share the love of Christ. We want to invite people to come and say, hey, come and see what God's doing. Uh, minister. You know, every person through Christ is a minister. I'm not just the only minister here. We're all ministers through the gospel. In fact, you could do ministry in a way that I can't. You have certain gifts. I can't sing at all. I'm terrible. I love to. But I'm not on the worship team, right? I've tried out multiple times. I never make it, you know? But like, I mean, these guys are incredible. But they get here like at six in the morning and they use their gifts to serve, to give back. I mean, it's awesome. But you have a gift. Hey, grow. Things that are alive grow, right? Things that are alive grow. If it's not alive, you know, it's like, okay, we got to continue to, for the love of God, personally, individually, am I growing Joy, this is my wife's favorite core value. Joy, right? The church should be a place of joy. We ought to be excited to come. I love that my kids just get so excited about coming to church. They're like, I can't wait, it's church, you know? It's like, I love coming to church. Change, that we are constantly changing for the glory of God. Excellence, doing things well. Prayer, prayer undergirds everything we do. Now, guys, listen, we are living in the it city right now, right? 
I mean, we know that. I mean, Nashville, Franklin, we are in the it city. God is bringing people to us all the time. And if you look at some of these just growth projections, you see in Franklin and Nolensville and Nashville where our campuses are, and you can see how it's growing, but also in 2022, it's going to continue to be growing. So, I mean, it's like, it's still growing. And so what does that look like? Now, like I said, we can just say, hey, it's all about us, but, but no, there's people who are coming. God is bringing people here who need Jesus. And I want you to see the spiritual need in our community. A lot of times we think, well, we're in the Bible Belt. Everybody has a church. Everybody knows Jesus. No. Check this out. In Franklin, <laughs> identify as marginally involved in my faith, 29%. Identify as not involved at all or have no faith, 27%. 56% of people. 56% of people. That's people all around us. You know that. I know that. I mean, this is where we live. And God says, I'm not finished with you, church. This is why I have you, to be a beacon of light and hope to the people around. And so this is what we're called to. And if you'll notice, as we keep going on this next slide, I want you to see this. Just here at Rolling Hills, this is our Franklin campus. And you may have seen this slide a couple of weeks ago at our Franklin campus. This is just in family ministry. So in 2013, birth through eighth grade. We're not even talking high school, okay? We're just talking birth through eighth grade. We had 375 kids on a Sunday morning. Now we're having 610 kids on a Sunday morning. Okay, that's 63% growth. Now here's where we're praying for wisdom as a staff, as a board, as leadership, as everybody here at Rolling Hills, because you look at that and go 63% growth in five years, that's 994 kids at Franklin on a Sunday morning. And these are not just numbers, guys. These represent children. These represent your children. <laughs> these are lives. Now, what we do well here at Rolling Hills is we have babies. We're really good <laughs> at having babies. I mean, they're everywhere, right? I mean, it's crazy. Good job, you guys. But, but, but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. We've got to be thinking and say, God, give us wisdom because they're coming. These are our kids, and these are people that we reach out to. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, where are your kids going to hear about Jesus? Is it in school? I mean, is, is it going to be on the internet? I mean, where is it going to be? It's church. It's community. It's where they're coming to know Christ. This is where they're being baptized. This is where God's raising up spiritual leaders that are going to impact the whole community and the world, I believe, for the glory of God. This is our calling. You know, as adults, listen, we've been growing at 24% just over the last year, just in adults. Now, you think about that, Okay. And I mean, all you math majors, you can multiply that out four years, what that looks like. That means it doubles, right? We've got to be thinking about this. Because if every one of us just invites one friend to church, if every one of us right at our workplace or our neighborhood just says, hey, I want you to come, what are we going to do? And that's what's led us to this whole for the kingdom. And so as we talk about this, you can see the next slide as we keep going here, that we're at the Franklin campus. We have the opportunity to expand. And over in the Naxos area, we have this warehouse that's going to come online. You know, we have three tenants. We have the state of Tennessee, so all the foster care comes through our building, praise God. We have Comcast. You see their trucks every week, and you wave, and they say, hey, it's a Comcast church. And I was like, hey, yeah, cool. We meet right back there, you know. We actually own the building, and Comcast leases from us. How crazy is that? You know, but we also have Naxos, this area back here, and they're going to be downsizing and just going into their office space in March of next year. So we just freed up 30,000 square feet. Praise be to God. You know, and so we're going to expand. We're going to build more parking spaces. I know you guys, you are troopers. You are awesome. Everybody has such a great attitude. But I know sometimes it gets crazy on Sunday morning, finding a parking space. But you're so patient and waiting and get out. But this is going to help us even have an additional exit to Columbia. 
You can see that we'll have some new space to be able to build. You can see the next slide, which shows what's going to happen here with the student space. So we'll be able to take all of middle school and high school students and have a brand new space for them. That means Main Street becomes kindergarten through third grade. That means the loft becomes fourth and fifth grade. And that means we're going to have student space. That also means we're going to have more adult space. We have Bible studies that are just like bursting out for men and for women and for all marriages and parenting. We're going to be able to expand that. And then you'll even see the next slide that shows kind of what the student space will look like. It'll go out into the parking lot. We'll have some recreation areas where people can invite their friends and then have small groups and then have worship. It's exciting. You can see some different pictures of student space for kids space, expanded areas for us to grow together. Now, guys, this is going to take all of us, right? As we look at Nolensville campus, we need a new home. Hey, everybody in Nolensville is on board, you know, or Belmont Heights campus. People are on board. They're excited. Pastor Nick and the team. And then what we can do through Justice and Mercy International to impact orphans and see lives being changed. So guys, in your journey guide that you've had this entire series, in the very back, there's kind of a commitment card. And I want to ask you to pray about this, right? As we look forward to November 4th, and we're going to come, and we're going to say, hey, we're committed, we're in it, God, what do you want us to do? But I want to ask you to pray. We've been praying for 30 days, now we have 20 more days to pray. And how can you be involved? How can you be invested? If you see here, you know, there's a, my total for, for the kingdom, what I'm going to give, and then I'm going to give monthly over and above my tithe to invest in this for the glory of God. Guys, listen, Lisa and I, were in it. I'm telling you, we've already filled out our card. We've been praying about it. We've been talking about it. And we said, here's what we're going to do. And we're bringing a check on November 4th. And we're committing to go over and above each month, over and above our tithe, because we believe in our kids and your kids. What I love is watching my girls all three of my kids have their card, and they're all praying about it. They're all like, yeah, Dad, we want to do this too. We want to be a part of this. And so we're going to have chores. We get our allowance, and we want to do this. That's awesome to me. You guys, when we have the opportunity to do something great for God, and we can get comfortable, we can say, hey, I love this. It's just us. You know, we got our thing. But man, God's always calling us to step out. God's always calling us to go forward. And when we do that together, that's what God's name has made great. And people go, look at what this church is doing for the glory of God. See, here's the thing, here's the thing. We're all building something. We're building a life, we're building a marriage, we're building a family, a career. We're all building a legacy. And we all need God and we need wisdom. Guys, we need wisdom. I love Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Guys, we want to do this for the glory of God. We want to do this for the kingdom. Jesus was talking, and he said in Matthew 6, he said, guys, listen, you invest for the kingdom. You focus on the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. All these other things. But you and I, put God first. Put God first, and allow him to be glorified in us. You know, if you go back to medieval times, when when somebody would come to the king and they would have this big idea to do something great, you know, they, they would come and they would kneel before the king, right? And they would bow their head and, and this is the only place that would be exposed if you had armor on. And the king would pull out a sword and the king would knight them, right? And say, okay, go. <laughs> go slay the dragon. Go storm the castle. Go rescue the damsel in distress. Go. Go do it for the kingdom. And I believe we're at as a church that time. 
we could be really comfortable. I mean, God has blessed us. It'd be so easy. But this is that time that we're coming before the Lord just saying, God, here we are. And we want to go in your name. Each of us, individual, as a family, as the body of Christ, God, give us wisdom. And God, use us for your glory to accomplish your mission and your will in the earth today. So here's what I want us to do. I want to ask us just in just a moment, I'm going to ask us to kind of kneel down. All right, now I know some of you may not be able to do it. It's okay. I know the chairs are a little tight, but you can kind of push things out of your way. That's fine. If you can't, no worries about it. You can just stay in your chair, but we don't have those cool kneeler things that some chair, you know, some churches have, but, but I'm just going to ask you for all of us just to kneel down and for us to say, God, what do you want to do through us? God, what do you want to do through me? God, I pray for wisdom. I pray for wisdom to lead my marriage. I pray for wisdom to lead my family. I pray for wisdom to lead here at church. I pray for wisdom to lead at work. But God, I pray that you be glorified in me. And so this morning, God, I just want to commit to you first. I want to commit my life to you. I want to commit my heart to you. God, whatever you're saying to me, God, I want to be obedient, and I want to go forward in you. So I want to invite you. If you can, if physically you can't, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Just stay in the chair and bow your head. But this morning, I would just want to encourage you, if you want to, just to kneel down in your chair or around there, and we're going to come before the Lord and just commit our lives and our hearts to him. Oh, Father God, like Solomon did all those years ago, when he's scared, when he's worried, and he comes before you, Father, and he offers a sacrifice, and he kneels down, and he, he just says, I'm committing my life to you first. And God, you said to him, ask whatever, and Father, he asked for wisdom. And so right now, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom. I pray, God, that you would give us wisdom. I pray for every dad here, God, that you would give them wisdom to lead and to love their family. I pray for every mom here. Father, I pray that they would be a woman after your heart. I pray, Father, for every student here. I pray that people would know what they were for. I pray for every one of us, God, that we would build a life and a legacy that would long outlive us because it would point to you and you would be glorified in us. Father, I pray for us as a church. God, that you would anoint us with your spirit. Father, that you would go before us and prepare the way. God, that you would do what only you could do, that people would look and say, wow, that had to be God. It wasn't just those people. It was those people gathered in God's name, and God moved. And so, Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning and just commit to you first. We commit our lives we commit our hearts. I pray if there's anyone here, Father, who doesn't know you, God, that you would draw them close to you. I pray if there's anyone here, Father, who needs to be baptized. I just thank you for Nate. I thank you for his testimony this morning and baptism. If there's anybody here who needs to take that step, that you would give them the courage to do it. And I pray for all of us, Father, that we would be generous, that we'd be men and women after your heart, and that you would use us for your glory in our day, in our generation. And we commit our lives to you first. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen.